Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. I've done got excited. Serving in the local church. Ooh, you better leave now if you want to get out. (laughs) Turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. That comes right before Psalms, before Job, right in there. Turn to the middle and go back to the left. Nehemiah chapter 8. I remember maybe a two, about two years ago, I, I went over and we went through the book of Nehemiah on a Sunday morning. He was rebuilding a wall around the world, the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And if you remember, he rebuilt that wall because the Babylonians came in and tore it down and took the, the nation of Israel away for about... 70 years, and then they came back and they began to rebuild this wall around that nation. And uh, as they began to rebuild that wall, we went through this book and all of the things that had to do with rebuilding this wall. Well, I remember doing the message on chapter 8, and chapter 8 is talking about how uh, Ezra the scribe stood up before the people and he began to read the Word of God. And my goodness, a great thing began to take place. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Before I begin talking about this serving in the local church, and and I've already mentioned that the greatest responsibility that we have as a church body is to teach God's Word. Is to teach God's Word. The Gospel. Let me mention again what the gospel is. The gospel is this. The gospel is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and He lived on this earth. He was born of a virgin. He came for one purpose, and He came, that purpose was to save the world from their sins. John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is that one. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life without sin on this world. And then He gave His life on a cross so that He could pay your sin debt. You have an opportunity to be set free from your sin. You have the opportunity to not be found guilty. I tell you what, I saw this little article the other day and it shows all of these people standing up on a scale and on this scale it said bad over here and good enough over here. And all these people were coming up and they were standing on the scale and it was to see if they could get into heaven. And they were handed a little folder to the the man at the scale and they would hand their folders over and you could see some of the folders had some red things, pages in it that represented the evil deeds that they've done. And then they had some white pages in there representing the good things that they've done. And they would hand that over and, and when they would stand up on the scale... It would go back and forth and directly, boom, bad. He would send them off this way. 
I think most of us recognize that this way means to go to hell because they didn't measure up. They were not good enough. Went through time after time after time, and they would say, well, I, was, I, was, I worked at the food bank. I helped the poor. I did this. I did this. Hand their little thing to them, and I mean, they'd have a stack of white pages, stack of red pages, and not good enough. All of them's going to hell because they didn't measure up. One guy walks up at the end, and it shows him. He has got a file, and that thing is about this thick, and I mean, three-quarters of it is all red. And he walks up, and he hands it to the man, and he goes... He says, uh, ooh, goodness, this doesn't look so good. And Jesus walks over, and he says, uh, here, here's my file. Take it. He hands his file. And he says, oh, oh, okay, this is different. And that man stood up on the scale, and listen, it wasn't because of what that man had done. It was because of what Jesus Christ had done. This man had accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, and because of what Jesus Christ done, he was accepted into everlasting life, not because of what he had done. This is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for you, and if you will put your faith and trust in him, if you will ask him to forgive you of your sins, he will wash you white as snow. He will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. You will never be the same again. But I want you to know this morning that that is your choice. God is a gentleman. He is not going to make you choose Him. He leaves that up to you. So if you desire to come and lay yourself down, just like the youth were singing, if you will lay yourself down, give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know it doesn't matter how filthy you are. He will take you and wash you white as snow. But He ain't fixing to make a single one of you do it. That's the gospel. Without the gospel, no one can have a relationship. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except by me. So let's make sure that, that we're clear. When I'm telling us this morning that the most important responsibility of this church is for us to teach God's Word, understand that the gospel is part of that. I want you to know without the gospel, you can't have a relationship with Christ. But when we read God's Word, it does tell us we're not to stay here on this milk all of our lives. We are to grow and mature ourselves in Christ. That's what He tells us to do. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. All right, let's uh, take Nehemiah chapter 8 and let's look at it this morning and see what is taking place here. And uh, we're going to use this as an example that... As the, old, the New Testament Scripture tells us, to look back and use the Old Testament as an example. Look what it says. It starts off in verse number 1. It said, All the people gathered themselves together as one man. In other words, they come as a single group unto the streets that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra. I like this. They asked the preacher. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men of the men and the women, and those that could understand 
And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And do y'all realize I'm skipping over a lot of stuff that I could expound on here? (laughs) And I'm, I'm disciplining myself here where it talks about they were there from the morning to midday. Uh, hey, let me tell you what said to me after Sunday school this morning. I had somebody come up to me after Sunday school and said, Brother Wayne, we need to sit in here. We just need to get started about 9 o'clock and stay till 1 or 2 o'clock teaching what you're teaching right here. He said, we, we, we just need to be fed. We, we need to feast on what we're learning. And I want you to know, this is what was going on that day. Man, they were digging into God's Word, and I mean, they were attentive to what they had to say. They were not sidetracked. Let's go on. Look in verse number 4. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which had been made for that purpose, and beside him stood... I'm going to skip over these names. I, I hope it doesn't offend anyone, but it, it gives a whole list of names there, and on his right hand it says these... And on his left hands were all of these guys. Verse number 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up in reverence to God's Word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all of the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. Don't! Consider anyone looking down upon you. If you're here this morning and you hear the Word of God and you desire to lift your hands, the Bible says that's okay. Praise the Lord. They said, Amen. Amen. With lifted hands up into their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And here again is another long list of names and I'm not going to use them. And then it says, And the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand. Those last two verses, listen to what it said. It gave a whole list of names. Ezra stood up in front of them, and he read out of the book, and then it said all of these names that he gave went down into the people and basically said, hey, Clayton, did you understand this? Let me make sure you understand this. Here, look right here. Look right here. It says this right here. Did you, did you get that? No, you don't. Well, here, let me explain it. Let me use this illustration. I want to make sure that you understand what God's Word is saying to us. It says they went down and caused them to understand. They, they had Sunday school. They had Bible study. They, they, they could have went over to somebody's house and said, Hey, look, I, I know, listen, listen, this group over here, y'all are understanding all this. Hey, this group over here, hey, let's go to this back room. So they're going to keep teaching here. Let me go explain this a little simpler to you so that you can understand. Do you see what they were doing? They were teaching God's Word. They were causing them to understand. That's what they were doing. So turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's get into the New Testament and look and see what God does for the church in the ministries that He has called us to be involved in. And this is why, this is why I say that it is so vitally important that we teach. I'm going to run back to chapter 1 real quick and let me see if I can find it. And it says, um, 
in verse, this is Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. If you want to look at it real quick. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, In whom ye also trusted. In other words, they became believers in Jesus Christ. In whom you also trusted after that you, what? Heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Hey, listen, how were those people saved? Somebody was teaching them. Somebody taught them. Someone stood up and preached the Word or taught the Word or told them the Word. It doesn't, it says after they heard the Word. It doesn't say that, man, they could have been sitting at Whistle Stop over breakfast with a friend. And they could have just been talking about the Word of God. And it could be that the Holy Spirit takes what you say and they can be saved at the Whistle Stop. I I know y'all believe that because the Holy Spirit, He is active and alive today. But so what He tells us here, He says, listen, it's after hearing this Word that people come to know the Lord. Again, let's look back in Ephesians chapter 4. We went over this last week. Uh, Let me refresh you just a second. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you ask Him to save you and come into your heart, would you raise your hand this morning? Praise the Lord. Put your hands down. The Scripture also tells you if you raised your hand and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, He put a gift inside of you to serve Him. Did you know that? Okay, that's... See, some of it we may not know that because we've not been taught the Word of God. Maybe, maybe it's because we haven't dug into the Word of God enough. But the Scripture says... The Scripture says if you are a child of God, God has given you a gift to serve in the local church. He has given you a gift. Hey, it even tells us that some of us have been given more than one gift to serve in the local church. Jesus tells, He tells the parables about how some received five talents, some received three talents, some received one talent. It's exactly what He's talking about here. So when we look in uh, Exodus uh, Ephesians chapter 4. You know, I need to slow down. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Talking about the gifts. And I know you've heard me say this before, but I just want to stress the importance of this this morning. Verse number 11, and it says, And he gave, these are talking about the gifts. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. I want you to know when you describe that and you look at every single one of these gifts that he is speaking of, every single one of these gifts are proclaiming God's Word. Apostles. The apostles taught and discipled and taught God's Word. Prophets proclaimed the Word of God. Evangelists proclaimed the salvation of the Word of the Lord. Pastors proclaimed the Word of God. Teachers proclaimed the Word of God. Why? Why were these positions and these gifts given? Look at the next verse. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, This verse stands out to me more, verse 14, than it has ever stood out before. 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I want you to know Satan has got such a stronghold in this world today. Satan does not proclaim the truth. He has told so many of us today that going to church is boring, and some of us have believed it. That learning about God's Word is boring and it's time-consuming, and some of us have bought into that. The greatest life you can ever live is commit your life completely and wholly to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never find on this earth a greater life. Never. Than committing yourself fully and wholly unto Him. So when we look at this this morning and we look at what it says here talking about this, I want to go over a couple of more scriptures that kind of identify and magnify this teaching area that God is talking about as He talks about giving us these gifts. Uh, these are just, listen, this is just a few, just a few scriptures. There was no possible way I could expound on all of the scriptures. When Jesus came, in Matthew 5 and 1 it says, And he seeing the multitude, he went into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Matthew seven twenty nine, For he taught them as one having authority. In Matthew 13, And when he had come into his own country, he taught them in the synagogue. In Mark chapter 4 and 2, And he taught them many things by parables. Let me tell you, I could go on and on and on. When Jesus began His ministry, do you know what His primary ministry was? Teaching the people God's Word. He went from town to town teaching and preaching God's Word. If you want to be like Christ, preach and teach God's Word. Now listen. I'm not saying that God has called everybody to be a preacher up here, like I'm doing, or pastor, like I do. I'm not saying that. But I do want you to know that God has called every one of us to be preachers of the Word or proclaimers of His Word. Every single one of us are to be that. The only way that we can proclaim the truth is to know the truth. And that's where God's Word comes in. And that's why He says we, we are to teach the perfecting of the saints so that when the world comes up with this new notion that this is what's going on in America, or this is right and this is wrong, oh my goodness, that we will not fall for that. But the only way that we do not fall for that is by knowing what God's Word says. In Psalms, chapter 119 and verse 9, young people... Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? In other words, how are you to know right from wrong? And it is by taking heed and according to his word. If, if we do not know God's word, if our young people do not know God's word, they're not going to know to choose from right and wrong. God's word is truth. I want you to know the world does not proclaim truth. God's word proclaims truth. My goodness. Let, let me add this on there while I'm there. Just because it's legal 
doesn't make it right. Just because it's legal, it doesn't make it right. Let me add this to it. Just because it's illegal doesn't make it wrong. They tell you you can't pray in school. That's a lie. They tell you you can't take your Bible to school. I'm telling you right now, you blame it on the preacher. You rebel against that. You take your Bible to school and you read it openly. Some of the things they say is wrong is right. And some of the things they're saying is right is wrong. God's Word is truth, and we are responsible to teach God's Word. Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's how we know right and wrong. Psalms 119.105, The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It should be the thing that guides us through life on a daily basis. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6, it says, And these words I command thee this day shall shall be in your heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And you shall walk and talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by thy way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Do you know where it puts the, the largest responsibility of teaching God's Word? Where is the largest responsibility according to what we just read? The family. In the home. Mom and dad, it's us. We should be teaching, and our responsibility falls on us. Is It is not Chad Morgan's responsibility to teach and train your children up in, in spiritual things. It is his responsibility to teach spiritual things here at this church. But it is not... Hey, listen, when he, gets to, when he stands before God, he's not going to be held responsible for a family that is not teaching their children. The primary responsibility to teach your children and your home comes from the home. That's where it comes from. We need to be about that. Let me address one more. Look in Hebrews with me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5 with me real quick. Hebrews chapter 5. Way back there close to Revelations. Hebrews chapter 5. This is an this is not a this is this is not being patted on the back here. But this is what I was referring to just a few minutes ago. It says in, in Hebrews chapter five and verse twelve, it says this For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now let me tell you what that just said. It says this. It said basically it says, listen, some of you've been Christians long enough that you have you should have elevated to the point that you are now teaching. 
We should have elevated to the point that we are teaching and that we're not still sipping on milk. In other words, all we know are the basics of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not trying to be critical of anyone, okay? But I, I had a church, and, and I mean, people just begin to leave the church and leave the church and leave the church. And one of, the, one of my friends was at that church, and I asked, I said, why, why are so many people leaving the church and going somewhere else? She, she said, all he, t- he preaches is evangelistic messages. He preaches an evangelistic message on Sunday morning. He preaches an evangelistic message on Sunday night. He preaches an evangelistic message on, on, on Wednesday night. He's for five years, he has only preached evangelistic messages. Now, do you know what I mean when I say evangelistic? All he was preaching was how to be saved. All he was... I, I'm not critical of anybody that preaches how to be saved. But listen, if I'm teaching a baseball team... If I'm teaching them, and all I ever teach them is how to throw the ball back and forth, when we go to the game, what's going to happen when it comes time for them to bat? They're not going to know how to bat. What's going to happen when it comes time for them to do a double play? They're not going to know how to do a double play. Hey, listen, when they teach a little old softball team or a baseball team, they go over all the rules. They say, hey, let's get out here and hit grounders for a little bit. Hey, now let's get up here and bat for a little bit. We go through all of it. Listen, If you're here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus, you need to know more than just what the milk is there. We need to know the whole truth. We need to know all of it. How do we we get to know all of it? We get to know all of it by participating in the teaching and participating in the learning. Now, you may not like me after I say this, But every single one, every believer in this room should either be in the position where we are teaching or where we're learning. Let me me go go one step farther. We're in a worship service right now. I am not doing so much teaching as I am preaching. Teaching is where you sit down and you take your Bibles and and, and you flung through and go, well, okay, what is... Well, here, let's look at another scripture. Find out what that says. And, and it, it is time where you... Hey, a teacher, a teacher at school does not just get up and proclaim it. No. They have time to ask questions. Somebody comes to the teacher and says, what does this mean? Uh, teacher, wait a minute. I, how do you do this problem? Could you show me again? That's what teaching is. It's interaction. That's what was taking place when we read in Nehemiah. It was an interaction. He stood up and read the word, and then all of these people went out amongst the people and said, here, let me explain this to you. I want to make sure you understand what has just been said. That's what he is telling us in Ephesians that we as a church are to be doing. We are to be teaching. So I hope every one of you have one of these papers. Everybody have one of these? Okay, and I want to make sure if you if you don't have one, there's some more back here on this back thing. There's a, we've got a little place right back there for you to, however the Lord is leading you to serve at Soda Baptist Church, for you to check that off and to look at that. I, I was thinking, I was trying to think of an illustration on how to describe how the body of believers is supposed to work. I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 it says that we are all connected together. And, and, and Brother Robert made reference to it this morning. If you stump your big toe or your little toe, the rest of your body hurts. I mean, it, we're, 
it's because we're all connected together. And I was thinking this morning, I said, I was trying to think of an illustration. And I thought about, okay, I'm going to go drive the car. I'm sitting in my living room. I'm going to go drive the car. Okay, my mind has to work to remember where I put the keys. All right, then my feet have to go engaged to put themselves on the ground. Then my arms have to be engaged to push myself up out of the chair. Then my, my ankles have to turn and begin to walk. When, when I walk, my ankles give up and down and my toes operate. I walk into the kitchen, I get the keys off the hook. That requires my elbow, my wrist, my fingers to all work at one time. My eyes are working all at the same time. I'm now opening, my, the other arm is now engaging the doorknob and I step outside and balance. My whole body is parts. I can't even see what part of me makes me balanced. That's part of me I don't even see. But you know what? I'm sure glad it's there because I'm not falling and stumbling. I walk out. My feet, my eyes are coordinated together and I'm walking out to the car. Now my body is supported, my muscle inside that I can't even see that I know is there because now I hold down and I sit down and now my bottom is working. Hey, that's a part we need to work too. Hey, I got to thinking. Then I have to put the key in and man my wrist has to work again to turn the thing and, and then I have to pull the gear shift down and then I have to put my hands and now my eyes and my brain everything's operating together then I decide I want to listen to the radio now my ears are working do you realize how many parts of your body has to work together just to go get in the car and drive to town do we realize this body of believers operates the same way what if my knee decided not to work? Do you know what happens when your one part of your body doesn't decide to work? You got to go get one of these. One just one part. Do we realize? Do we realize how much the body of the Lord, the body of the church depends on you? One, one little part that's not working right, and we become handicapped. We become handicapped. I'm going to look at the paper, and I'm going, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over just the teaching ministry here at Soda Baptist Church. I know the beginning of that script that under the teaching ministry team, it says there, the Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that's a scripture that tells us all the, all the Word of God is inspired of God, and it is there for our perfecting or our maturing. Look at the different areas that we have for teaching. Adult Sunday school classes, and I started to count up how many adult Sunday school classes we have. There are several. We have children's Sunday school classes. There are several. We have children's church. Children's church is a ministry that we operate and we have during the preaching time because I'm telling you, there's some two-year-olds up to four-year-olds that are probably not understanding much of what I'm having to say this morning. And what we do, in order to enhance their learning of God's Word, we have a time set aside during this preaching hour to reach them on their levels. Okay? It's not to separate them from your families like some, some churches say, well, that's the wrong thing to do. I'm telling you, I think it's the right thing to do myself, personally. 
It's, I think it's good for us to take them and, and train them on the level that they need training. And, and that is shared between several in our church that volunteer to teach during that time. I'm telling you, we could use many more volunteers in that area. Our youth ministry is another area that we could use many more people to help teach and to lead and to do discipleship. A Wednesday night's children's ministry is another. Our, our women's ministry, our WMA, is another one of these areas that it's, it's set aside just for teaching and practicing and using what God has given us back into the church. I, I, I want you to know this Wednesday night children's ministry and Wednesday night youth ministry, many of those children and many of those kids would not even have an opportunity to be under the teaching if it was not for the couple of people that are willing to drive a bus and go get those children. I'm telling you, that, that is such a need that we have in this church. We have, when, when just one of those people are out of pocket, it is really hard to get that ministry to go in because we don't have enough people to step into that place. It is part of us being able to reach people with the truth and you say, well, I'm not very talented or I'm not gifted to teach. Well, use your ability just to go get people so that they can be taught. Hey, that's all part of the teaching ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you to get to, the, to get to town and drive that car. It takes both hands, both feet, both ankles, both knees, both eyes, both ears. It takes the whole body to get there. And in order for us to fulfill... The ministry, the teaching ministry at Soda Baptist Church is going to take every single one of us. Every single one of us. I want to make sure that you notice at the top of that form, it says, This form has not been given to you to pressure you, but to make available to you areas of service that God has gifted and led you in so you can joyfully... Serve the Lord. Next couple of weeks, I'm going to be going through this paper. Next week, we're probably going to be talking about the need of missions that, that God has called us as a church to do. I hope that I've made it perfectly clear this morning, not because Wayne Bickley thinks it, but as we have read in God's Word, it is a God desires for us to teach. Huge responsibility. God has also, in that teaching, we are taught God's gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know how the Lord might have spoken to your heart this morning. It could have been, man, it could have been way before I ever started preaching. It could have been when those kids got up and said, come as you are. God will take you just like you are. It could have been in the song service where Brother, Brother Robert was leading. I don't know how the Holy Spirit has led on your heart this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond however the Spirit's moved on your heart. So would you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer and Brother, Brother Robert comes and leads us in a hymn of invitation. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you have given us this morning to assemble. God, this.